from Quite the Thing Media. Hi everybody, my name is Jack Shaw and this is quite the interview where I ask questions that probably have never been asked before. Just before we start, I'd like to give a shout out to Captivate, our host, Squadcast. We are recording on them right now and Matchmaker is where we basically arrange this interview. And today I'm speaking to Jeff Moccolino. How are you, Jeff? Are you doing okay, man? Yeah, I'm I'm doing excellent. I just had a tornado warning 10 minutes ago where I live, so got through that. <laughs> right, okay, so when a tornado warning comes through to your, is it your phone it comes through to? What is your reaction as soon as that comes through? Do you get the boards out and start hammering, nailing up, or do you just ignore it? No, I, I get annoyed by the, uh, I have a, a home security panel and it will uh, start making it an alert. Uh, so I, I could hear it. I'm upstairs now. I could hear it going off downstairs. I just got annoyed by it. Uh, and you can probably see through the window. It's already sunny out. That's that's Florida weather for you in the summer. <laughs> so I got in contact with you through matchmaker.fm, which I found a really handy tool to get in contact with other podcasters. What made you reply to me? Because I will be honest, I sent out a lot of gigs, I suppose, and I'm maybe getting about a 30% hit back rate. So what made you get in contact and think, this is something that I would like to have a conversation about? Yeah, I I really love the uh, idea of, you know, asking the questions that haven't been asked. And you, you had a couple of sample ones. And I, I thought that's the kind of stuff I love. I love weird off the wall conversations and questions that, you know, especially when you when you have a beverage with you, you can you can just go crazy. <laughs> Well, that is it. You have picked the subject, and the subject is, in Glasgow, we call it booze, drink, alcohol. Is there a, a certain term that you use where you're from for the old the old sippers? Oh, a lot of different ones, but I, I think booze is probably the most common. Yes, and, and what made you what made you pick booze? Because it can be a little bit of an iffy subject, let's be honest. There's a lot of down downfalls there's a lot of pitfalls to drinking far too much so what made you pick the subject basically well i'm i'm 34 years old now and uh you know i i wasn't given the gift of uh, great athleticism uh you know i'm not participating in the olympics or uh uh, uh you know great at, at basketball or anything like that but uh, God did give me a ability, an ability to uh, consume massive quantities of alcohol, uh, and and never have hangovers the next day. Uh, so I figure it's my superpower. You know, I've got to, I've got to do what uh, what I was what I was put here to do. <laughs> right. Okay. You're not just a drinker. You have been working on a couple of screenplays, basically dark comedies. And we had a little bit of a conversation just before we came on there. But do you want to tell the listeners what those are about? And again, any pitfalls that you came across while trying to write something like that? And how did you counteract those problems? What did you do to make things better? Yeah, so I've got a couple of uh, 
what I deemed dark comedies that I've been working on. And uh, one of them's kind of apocalyptic uh, with a with a twist. Uh, and the other one is honestly kind of a, a story about, uh, I think sometimes Hollywood and uh, the movie industry likes to make everyone out to be, you know, great people. And uh, this is basically a story about a person who's a pile of garbage. Um, but in writing these, uh, I would read through them and my intent was to make them dark comedies. And instead they were just dark. Uh, the dialogue wasn't funny. <laughs> The story was maybe a humorous idea, but not funny the way it read. So I emailed dozens of comedians for advice, and every single one who responded uh, said, you got to start doing stand-up. And uh, I guess most comedy writers do stand-up as a good way to find a voice and find funny. And uh, they also told me to start a podcast because, you know, nothing, uh, you know, as long as you're you'll find a way to be funny or amuse yourself at the very least. So uh, I, I started doing those things just this year uh, to uh, try to, to help incorporate that and make my dark uh, movies, dark comedy movies. And I suppose real life dictates that you need to pay bills, etc. So what do you do as a, let's call it a real job basically before we get into the, the more fun stuff? Yeah, uh, I work insurance. Um, it's not a uh, not a fun job. Not particularly it, jazzy. No, no. If you you can you run into some interesting people, that's for sure. Uh, but it's uh, everyone you uh, talk to. I, I handle claims aspect of it. So basically, everyone you talk to is trying to get one over on you, take advantage of you, and it's. Uh, I'm just a nice guy. That's a that's a rough thing to go through for me every day. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't sound like, because obviously these people are in turmoil, but at the same time, you're kind of thinking to yourself, they're trying to get one over in me. They're trying to trick me out of, oh, I had this 68-inch television. Did you? Really? Do you need to then chase receipts and proof of purchase and stuff like that? Is that kind of, or am I misunderstanding what it is you do? No, depending on the case, uh, there's lots of different kinds of claims. Uh, uh, most of them end up being car accidents, uh, which is a, a very American thing. We've made car accidents a uh, multi-billion dollar industry in this country. <laughs> like I said, you, you've, you've picked alcohol, Jeff. <laughs> I never drive drunk, though. <laughs> no, no. Well, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that you, you're doing something that I... Do you know what? I will admit, see, when I was much younger, I'm 36, a couple of years older than yourself, Jeff. When I was 18, 19, I never went out, got drunk, and then drove home. But the next morning, I would wake up and drive home from a party or whatever, and you were definitely over the limit. If you would have got pulled over, there might have been issues there. But I have never got drunk and got in the car, because obviously that is a, let's be honest, a cunt of a thing to do. It's something that you should obviously never ever do. The stand-up comedy side of things then, you're 34 years of age. Let's be honest, that's a little bit old to maybe start getting into something new like this. But what made you take that jump? What made you think, right, okay, this is something that I am going to do. I'm going to give it a try. Well, a couple things. One is, you know, it, it just... 
it depresses me to think that I would live my whole life just doing a job to pay the bills and, and never doing something that gave me satisfaction. And the other part of that is, you know, I have two children and I, I want to set an example for them of not to go into comedy, of course, <laughs> but to, if you have a dream where you really want to pursue something, give it a shot. You know, you don't have to do an eight to five job just to pay bills. You can try to pursue your passion and hopefully it's something other than stand up comedy because that's a particularly rough uh, game. But <laughs> nonetheless, I, I, I like to think of it as setting a good example uh, for my kids and what they can do, you know, in their futures. So tell me a little bit about your your first stand-up gig. You walk out on stage, you've never done this before. What was your opening gambit? What was your opening joke? Do you remember what you said to start? And did it did it land? Was it good? <laughs> so so open mics, um, where you know, where you first get started, most of the audience are other comedians. So this particular night, there were dozen comedians and they don't really pay attention but as far as the audience goes there were nine people nine non-comedians and six of them were family or friends of mine <laughs> i tell my opening joke which was uh a i i don't remember the full thing but in essence it was that i was so lazy my my sink was full of dishes and i didn't have any clean forks so my solution was to go on Amazon, Amazon, and same day order same day delivery of a dozen stainless steel forks. And I thought that's I thought that's funny. I'm too lazy to just clean a fork that I go on Amazon to order it. Crickets, nothing. And I just, <laughs> I thought that was an easy, especially with the people who knew me being in the audience. I thought that's an easy slam dunk. I'll get some chuckles and build momentum. Nothing. <laughs> And I, I had two thirds of the audience only was there for me. <laughs> yeah, like you, you, surely you would you would be looking at your family like, please give me a little bit of something here, but nothing came back. No, no, I had one friend because I I tried to uh, I tried to just drag out a laugh, and I had one friend I think who could tell I was trying, and he gave me a little courtesy chuckle. I'm like, good, I can move on now. <laughs> but yeah, it was. Uh, it was rough. The rest of the set went pretty well, but yeah, when you when you think you've got a slam dunk in the beginning and it just falls flat as hell, oh my god! I, I just I, the rest of the set, I just wanted to, to shrivel up and die. And how long did you do that first set? Is it five minutes, seven minutes or so, round about that, and did the rest of it like you said? actually go all right because I think if you went up there and it was a total disaster car crash, it would really put you off and you wouldn't want to do it again. Well yeah, it was five minutes and it I so part of it was I expected to bomb. <laughs> you know, I, I thought I'm probably going to bomb, but I thought I had a good five minutes, and luckily, I did have friends and family there to, to video it, and I watched it back, and I felt much better when I watched it back. That first joke was really the only one that I tried to make that bombed. I, I made somewhat of a mistake because the way I write comedy, a lot of comedians, you know, are they just tell jokes. It's a setup, a punchline, and then some do stories, which is usually something more 
veteran comics do, but I'm really more of a storyteller. So the problem with that is when you only have five minutes, you know, you can only pack so many jokes in and actually tell a story at the same time. So I didn't get a ton of laughs, but where I wanted to get laughs, I did. So that was the the main thing for me is at least what I thought was funny was funny, except for the forks. <laughs> except for the forks, Joe. I thought that was all right, man, like because everybody would do that. Like it's so easy nowadays to just go online, click Amazon Prime Delivery, four hours, it gets packed up, and before you know it, you've got you've got your fork. It's just if you can last four hours before you want to have a a munch of your Leftover Chinese, basically. I would presume. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sadly, I actually, in real life, I did actually do that, but I got them delivered the next day and I used plastic disposable forks uh, for my meal. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, a favorite joke about, well, first of all, do you have a favorite joke about booze? And do you have a favorite joke of your own that you have written that you want to share with people? I've actually got, I did a five-minute set solely about how much I drink uh, that went over pretty well. And uh, I've got uh, one of my, uh, I won't give you the full act out, but one of the one of the things I joked about uh, that I love and I need to work on making it better, but it was a real-life story. And I, in essence, said, you know, I don't want to be shamed when I'm buying alcohol. So I went into a liquor store on a Sunday evening and I got three handles, which are 1.75 liter bottles of uh, Canadian whiskey. And uh, I I left, came back Wednesday, got the same thing, three 1.75 liter bottles of whiskey. And the guy's checking me out, same cashier. And he said, weren't you just here? (laughs) So I'm like, Okay, I I didn't sign up to be shamed when I purchase alcohol from your establishment. So I went on, uh, I don't know if you have this uh, overseas, but uh, I went on Instacart and you can buy your liquor and have it delivered to your house on Monday. Uh, So I've, I've drank six handles of liquor in eight days, which is a lot. <laughs> There's that. But a woman shows up to my house. She hands me the bag. Nice lady. And she says, you having a party? And I'm like, oh, I am the party. <laughs> so sadly, uh, that's a true story. But I, I, I want to punch it up a little bit more. But that's my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, real life punchline that I've been able to deliver is I am the party. <laughs> and do you think that Comedy, a lot of it really is when you drill down into it, something that everybody can sort of get behind and understand where you're coming from. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that will have been a little bit dubious about buying eight litres of Lambrini from the shop in case people think that it's just for them. So do you think there's got to be a sort of basis in truth for the comedy? And is that something that you drill down into with your the dark side of things as well, like knowing that people have shared this experience. Yeah, I I think uh, unfortunately I I don't think too many people have shared that particular experience, at least not with the amount of alcohol. Uh, I think to some extent I like that because it's uh, part of the persona, so to speak, that I want to impart, because I think everyone knows 
a friend who tends to drink a bit too much and is uh, sometimes inappropriate because of it. And uh, part of part of doing the stand up is establishing and even podcasting to an extent, but it's establishing a persona. And uh, I, I I tend to try to come off as the somewhat uh, drunkish fella, but I also like to use very big words when when I can to kind of throw people off because even me talking about drinking and, and, you know, having a drink in my hand on stage, and then I'll use words like uh, loquacious and that just saying the word, people start laughing. I, and I, I don't even need to make a joke, just use a big word and people will laugh because they think, Oh, look, this guy actually knows words. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. So, so it, it makes for some easy laughs, and then I'll usually make a stupid comment if people laugh at at uh, my vocabulary um, by using poor grammar in the very next sentence. And smart, smart audience members will hear that and appreciate it. I usually. Yeah, like you're you're speaking about this persona, and the, the first person that jumps to mind when it comes to speaking about alcohol and drugs, etc., would be Jim Jeffries, the Australian comedian. He sort of very much, li- not lives that persona, but that is his, his big thing, how much he used to take drugs, how much he used to drink, and how much he can get a laugh out of that. Some of his stories, I think, may be based in reality, but is there a sort of, you need to find a story that you have lived, Jeff, and then expand on it make it you need to make it funny you need to work on being funny is that something that that you found as a latecomer to comedy because a lot of people might start as a youngster and they might be naturally funny and they can sort of build on that i'm not saying that you're not naturally funny that's not what i'm saying but you need to work on making your story accessible and funny to people and is that something that takes a lot of time yeah, yeah, it does because especially when you're doing stories, uh, in order to keep people engaged and entertained in that story, you can't just tell the story. You need to work in jokes along the way. You need to remind people they're at a comedy show. Even if you're telling a great story, if the audience is silent for three minutes while you're giving them exposition, uh, it's it's not going to land all that well when you finally get to your punchline. So it is difficult to, uh, I like to call it comedic embellishment, to sometimes just add in things that maybe didn't happen uh, or exaggerate little details to make it, make it funny, to, to keep the audience uh, actively engaged in the, in the set. And uh, it, it is, it is difficult and you're right to to your other point uh, a lot of comedians uh younger comedians especially they get into it with more the just the I'm going to set up punchline I can tell five jokes every minute and just you know they don't need to even be related or anything like that and uh oftentimes they mature into storytelling uh I I I don't know for a fact but my hunch is that uh, older people like myself, as far as being a, a newcomer, at least, uh, older people like myself are more likely to to start with stories because we've actually lived a lot more life than, you know, a 21 year old who has never really had a real job and doesn't have kids and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so 
that's that's a hunch of mine is that uh, I probably just kind of went this route as far as storytelling just because I I think my life in general is pretty funny if you if you look at it from a bird's eye view <laughs> sometimes funny good sometimes funny sad <laughs> yeah well, well that is a thing you can have a have a laugh while being self-deprecating while like actually looking inward and saying this is actually quite sad but I'm going to make it funny because it's about me it may be harder to make jokes about other people living your situation but if you can self-deprecate then that is it's one of the oldest forms of comedy basically is taking the piss out of yourself a little bit and I suppose you know yourself better than everybody and you kind of know sort of where to go from there before we get into the questions that have maybe never been asked before what do you think most people know about alcohol like the first thing that comes to my mind i'm 36 it's fun like i enjoy it i don't overdo it when i do drink i maybe drink too much maybe binge drink but i have a good time i've never fought with anybody i've never had an argument i've never really got aggressive or anything like that is that where you're coming from as well, that side of things, because we do know it's got a dark side. Yeah, the 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 great thing with me and uh, my well, I'll I'll tell you how in in real life it 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 plays in. But the great thing with me is just just like what you said, I, I it makes me have more fun. I never get violent. I never get angry. Uh, you know, it, it just, it's a, it's a fun time. I even, I was in, when I was going through my divorce, I was in marriage counseling and the counselor said, do you think your drinking's a problem? And before I could answer, my ex-wife said, no, he's actually a lot nicer when he drinks. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that's. Never had that in my life. <laughs> so that, that's my relationship with alcohol, but I think a lot of people have a different relationship. I, you know, as far as, uh, you know, I've heard stories of people who have had uh, parents or siblings or loved ones who, who drink too much. Uh, I'm, I'm even friends with a lot of people who are alcoholics who have, uh, are, are sober now. Um, and uh, I enjoy talking to them too. And they, you know, the, the good thing is it's not like they're uncomfortable being around me. I'm not trying to make them drink or anything, of course. Um, but, uh, no, I, I like to hear in a weird way. I do like to hear people's personal stories with alcohol, good or bad, just to, it's, it's interesting to me in a, in a weird perverse way, maybe. No, I totally understand that. Like without getting too deep into my story before we go into the questions, my father was an alcoholic. I only ever seen him drunk twice. That was, that was two times too many to see him drunk, you know, and that's why he didn't drink. And I, I totally understand that I've lost, I've lost friends through addiction, but we're not really here to speak about the sad times. We want to get to these questions that have never, I hope, been asked before. So the first one is, have you got a, like, I very much enjoy puns. I know people look down on puns because a lot of people find them really easy to do. I can't do a pun can't do it i need to google puns and i had to google a pun for this first question have you got a favorite alcohol pun uh 
yeah, I, I I like the one you sent me, uh, and and I uh, mo- I'll, I'll tell you this: most of my puns are more uh, poop and pee related puns because I have small children, and that's what they find funny. <laughs> um, but my my favorite one, as far as uh, especially as far as a celebrity goes, is at one. I don't remember what prompted me to say this, but uh, Ben Stiller. I once called him Ben Distillery. You know, Stiller. Uh, oof, it's terrible. It's a terrible pun. <laughs> I'll be honest. That's not very good, and that's why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's the point with puns. They're they're like dad jokes. They're they're funny because they're not good, but they they are. <laughs> the favorite one that I found recently was uh, Brew Jackson instead of obviously Hugh Jackson. And I sent you a question that didn't make any sense. I went, Would you rather hire? Hugh Jackman in the role of Wolverine or Brew Jackson in the role of The Greatest Showman? Can you answer that question now? Because you did send, you sent a a query back basically saying, I don't understand that. And Well, it wasn't there to be understood. It was just so that I could shoehorn Brew Jackson into conversation. Yeah, (laughs) that was it, man. No, no, no. And and that's, at first I'm like... Oh, maybe I should Google this. I might be missing something. <laughs> no, no. But I'll. I will say, uh, wh- whether he was uh, enjoying a brew or not, I I much more enjoyed him uh, in The Greatest Showman. If if that counts for anything, which is odd for me because I'm not a musical guy. <laughs> no, that definitely counts as an answer, Jeff. Because I have not watched The Greatest Showman. I've had a lot of people tell me that it is fun. X-Men as well, I'm not really into that. So I don't really know if I like Hugh Jackman, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> but he's got a punny name. Yeah, yeah, and I can't even, I, I can't even think of anything other than... I've, I saw X-Men, I didn't care for it. I saw Greatest Showman and liked it. And I think he was in Les Mis. Uh, I think it was him. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen him in that many things, I don't think. Yeah, so so that's Brew, Brew Jackson, Brew Jackman. I even got the name wrong there. <laughs> this is more of a serious question, I suppose. Like, you've got children. You don't want them drinking mouthwash. It's got a, a funny cap on it that you can't unscrew. Why doesn't whiskey have a childproof cap then? This is a, a brilliantly timed question uh, that you can see on, on video, at least. Uh- <laughs> Here, here, here's my hunch, because when you sent me that question, I thought this is, I don't know, why wouldn't whiskey have a childproof cap on it? And then I, I thought a little bit harder and I thought, when you drink too much, could you imagine how frustrated you'd be if you couldn't open <laughs> your bottle of whiskey? Like people would just be smashing the bottle breaking glass and just to get to the whiskey there would probably be deaths because drunk people couldn't unscrew the cap and thought the best way to do it was smash the the bottle on the on the counter <laughs> to pour it out they'd drink the glass and all that's my hunch that actually makes sense jeff that it would piss off adults far too much that it would lead to <laughs> broken glass like I remember years ago as well, there was a, we were at a, a house party, we would call it, where somebody's parents were away, and an other group of 
kids kind of turned up outside and I, I had a glass bottle in my hand and I was kind of angry and I was going to go out and fight them and I smashed it. And I've still got the big massive scar on my thumb now and that would probably end up happening to most adults if there was a basically a, a mouthwash cap on the whiskey. They would just get pissed off. And that's something that you don't want to do. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Would you rather have beer goggles or whiskey legs? So, <laughs> it's going to be a weird answer maybe, but uh, I love <laughs> beer goggles. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> right? I'm not a 10, but I tend to be a, a relatively shallow fellow when it comes to, to ladies' appearances. But boy, beer goggles... <laughs> Like that, that sets me in my lane. I'm I'm good to go. <laughs> so I love beer goggles. Uh, maybe maybe not a good maybe not the the answer that my mother would like to hear. But <laughs> true story. Huh? And what are the chances of your mother tuning into a podcast? Let's be honest. Uh, she listens to my podcast, uh, which is. Yeah, it keeps me on my toes. Occasionally I'll say, Mom, I, uh, skip the next 90 seconds. I'm going to tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> this is language-based, this one. Would you rather have a nice cold beer or a nice cold beer? <laughs> I you probably I, need to read the description to understand the difference there, but are they the same thing? I don't know that they're the same thing. Um I, I think it's a I think it's a good question because in Florida it needs to be ice cold I feel like because it is so hot outside but a nice cold beer would work in a cooler climate I would think you don't I've I've heard people up north in in the states don't even always refrigerate their beer in the winter they can just leave it out on a windowsill and it'll be nice and cold no that's crazy. That's crazy talk. Yeah, uh, yeah. I it's it, it seems it to me, but I, I'm you know it's seventy I would degrees definitely, here. <laughs> yes, I would definitely prefer an ice cold beer rather than an ice cold beer because you're right. An ice cold beer is that just been out of the sunlight for a couple of hours, that doesn't seem right. I want the... See, when you, when you get a beer, Jeff, see the label on the beer? I want that to, like, fall off, basically, and you you can pull that off in a winner. That's how cold I would like my beers to be. Yeah, no, I'm, I definitely, uh, uh, I've, I've shifted into being more of a whiskey drinker, and sometimes uh, it's because... The beer's not as cold as it should be, and it just—it's it, that's not for me. And what type of whiskey do you enjoy? Uh, usually the Canadian kind, but uh, this Crown Royal's my uh, my my go-to Canadian whiskey when I when I feel like splurging. And do you have that neat, or do you have it with a block of ice, a dash of water? How do you take your whiskey? Uh, usually, so if I'm doing it at home, I just do it on the rocks. Uh, when I go out, I like to, to get it with a, a mixer because it makes me seem like less of an alcoholic. Yes. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go, I'll go a crown and ginger out, out on the town. <laughs> you, you, you drink uh, whiskey on the rocks when you're out and 
uh, a 34 year old can quickly start looking like a 64 year old. <laughs> I would. <laughs> That's that's the impression I get from other people. <laughs> and do you think that makes a difference? What age you are? How like I know a lot of guys in their sixties that would almost spit in your face if you put water or an ice cube and a nice malt whiskey. They would be furious. But the younger you get, the more you can dilute the whiskey. Is that kind of if there was a graph, would that be it? Yeah, I think I'm still clinging on to the uh, trying to be young. So, you know, add a mixture in there and, and you still look young and like, you know, you're partying. You you just drink it straight and you, you look like a, an old alcoholic. So, <laughs> but when I, 20, 30 years from now, if I'm out at a bar, I'm not going to have mixer anywhere near me. <laughs> it's going to be straight. <laughs> straight down the throat for sure. Now, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you here. This next question again it's just so I can get a a really bad pun in here. <laughs> Oprah Tinfrey is coming round to yours for a couple of drinks. She accidentally brings Tom Cruise. Are you going to cancel that party because he's there? Or do you just invite him in and just let him do his thing? I'm uh I'm I'm kinda sorta neighbors with Tom Cruise. Not not really, but <laughs> the uh <laughs> So I'm cool with him. I mean, the, the uh, you probably know he's a Scientologist, and uh, St. Petersburg is in the same county as Clearwater, which is like the, the mecca, from what I understand, of, of Scientology. So he has a house just uh, uh, 30 minutes away. <laughs> so, you know, we, we could find some things to talk about, I'm sure. <laughs> Lo- local issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... You need to get in contact with the council because your bins aren't getting collected on time. Things like that, basically. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was in Clearwater. I don't spend too much time there, but I was at, uh, because of my job, I was up there and uh, I was eating lunch and there were just hundreds, probably more than a thousand people walking by wearing the same clothes. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I Googled it for hours and I realized, oh, that's, they're all Scientologists. They're just doing their thing and they all dress the same. <laughs> so maybe Tom Cruise walked by while I was eating lunch at a diner in Clearwater. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have seen him. He's so small, the wee guy, to be fair. Like, I think it's just a bizarre cult, to be honest with you. Really bizarre. I don't particularly understand it. No, something about aliens and, 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 uh, it was a South Park episode. That's that's about my knowledge of Scientology. That is where I got all my knowledge from. That as as South Park as a Trace to Matt Parker. Yeah, that is a hundred percent where I got that from. Yeah. The last couple of questions here are a little bit off piece, Jeff. Do you think that penises should be measured in volume rather than length? Everybody goes on about oh that guy's got a big eight incher, but surely it's about the the volume. That makes that makes the weapon the weapon basically. I I agree. Uh, I think ladies would prefer if if they were measured in volume, and it go it goes both ways. I, I've I've I, I'm very open, so I've talked to even coworkers about stuff like this, and oh oh you know I've had ladies be like oh eight inches no no I don't want that smaller please. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. So well, it, thank God. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's I, I like to say I'm I'm a grower, not a shower, but my shower is not a good starting point. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I think I think volume is is a little more uh, accurate. And, uh, you know, I, I, as as far as what I've heard, at the very least, that would give a more accurate assessment of, of the of the lady's uh, enjoyment. But most most women have said, unless you have a, a too big of a dick or a micro penis, a penis is a penis. <laughs> That's honestly what most women feel. Maybe to, may, maybe to make me feel better about myself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a question that I'm going to ask everybody. Well, I'm going to ask, first of all, how common are pigeons where you stay? Do you see a lot of pigeons? Yes, very much. Have you ever seen a baby pigeon? I've racked my brain over this question. And I don't know. It, I've never have seen a baby pigeon. And it's made me start wondering, do they even exist? <laughs> Where are these baby pigeons? How do they become full grown? Are they born full grown? Is that a, I don't know. I don't, I, maybe, do they stay in the nest that long? Like they're, they're kids who don't move out of their parents' house until they're 40 or something. Like I, I, I don't get it because we do have a, a lot of pigeons around here. Uh, I have never seen a baby pigeon or the other, the only other thing I thought is maybe they look so much different when they're, you know, babies or adolescents and they just get to be ugly pigeons when they become adults. <laughs> I, I, but it still doesn't seem to work. <laughs> so kind of like a, a caterpillar becomes a nice, beautiful butterfly, you you might have seen... Yeah, it's the reverse. It's uh, Maybe we saw a cute little, little baby bird and it turned into this ugly pigeon. <laughs> I hate pigeons, man. I don't think anybody likes them, but they are everywhere and you never, ever see a baby pigeon. Jeff, thanks for coming on, man. Just before we wrap it up, where can people find you? Where can people find your your stand up, your Twitter X, Y, and Z? And I will also I'll also put it in the in the show notes. But just give yourself a little bit of a shout out before we finish up. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Saint. J Mac, it's S A I N T J M A C, uh, and uh, my podcast is the Jeff Macalino podcast. It's on every, uh, you know, everywhere you can find a podcast, pretty much. Uh, so I try to have fun on there. Uh, I'm I'm keeping my stand up a little bit hidden with me, just mainly because a, a lot of comedians have told me how they they would never want their early material to come out because they'd be ashamed of it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm considering going the YouTube route, but uh, if I do, I'll, I'll make sure to announce that on my Twitter and on my podcast. <laughs> right. Okay. I, like I says, I will put those links in the show notes, but thanks for joining me, Jeff. I had a great time. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Jack. Right guys. Again, this was hosted on Captivate recorded on Squadcast and arranged on Matchmaker.fm. We will speak to you soon. Thanks. That was a Quite the Thing media production.